0: If the Bible's got
1: you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir,
2: it's Heretic Happy Hour. Glory, hallelujah, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. I am one of your three co-hosts, Keith Giles, and I welcome you to our most auspicious podcast today we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite topic angels demons and satan yeah and, and hopefully you know you never know satan might show up we'll, we'll see um anyway yeah i'm keith um i'm, I'm uh, joined by my co-host jamal and matt Distefano. guys uh introduce yourselves and say hi
0: hi my friends my name is Jamal. It's great to be back on the Here to Capyar podcast with you guys, um, celebrating the current season with all of us. Um, really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah,
1: I, I I was too until Keith came in with that voice and it just <laughs> like killed my soul. Glory. Hey, I have uh, a question. I do have
2: a question God.
0: though. Um, and I, I don't know if we were going to get into this in the topic or what. Can I time.
1: introduce myself and tell him all about the books that I sell? I'm trying to sell. <laughs> I'm trying to sell product here, Jamal. Come well, on, actually, man. he's
2: trying to feed his kids, so Trying to feed his family. Matt, yes, but
0: wow. I was actually wanted to ask about that because I heard and I heard because of the situation, at, what's going on with the crisis in the, in, in the United States or around the world, that. We are offering a special. Is that right? I heard, I don't know if it's true, but I just want to confirm that with you guys. Is that, is there, is our books 99 cents or
1: what? Can you talk, can we talk about that for a moment?
0: Well,
2: I was going to save that till the end. I was going to like surprise. No, the no, end. no
1: yeah. I want, no, 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 no. Let's get it right off the bat. Cause I'm trying to sell books here. <laughs> okay. well, uh, yes. yes, Jamal. Yes. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> uh, yes. Choir does have uh, an April foolishness special going on. Of course, of course. Um most of the most of the choir Kindle copies of our books are ninety-nine cents on Amazon. Mm. If you go to choir.com slash April slash foolishness, and maybe we could put a link in the show notes or some shit. Uh, we got <laughs> we got so many books for sale. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you, coming up shortly in like six days on April twentieth, what what? Uh the bonfire sessions booklet is coming out and that's gonna be ninety nine cents on Kindle mm. also. So y'all are gonna want to read that.
2: And it makes great toilet paper.
1: No, it doesn't because it's on Kindle. That's awkward,
2: Keith.
1: <laughs> God. Yeah, Kindle works differently. <laughs> it works differently. This guy doesn't know technology, obviously.
2: Wait, wait, you don't print those out? You don't you don't print that on in your printer?
1: I
0: I haven't no. yet. No, oh.
2: okay, sorry.
1: Uh
0: dot <clears throat> dot matrix printers, the, the paper, the yeah. computer paper or that is. is- Totally not good
1: for toilet paper.
2: No, yeah, it's kind of scrappy. first,
1: first, first-hand knowledge right there. Yeah, uh, but you know what? As what you, what it is is print books of choir because they use the finest paper. That's what I've heard. Of course, any print books on choir.
2: So soft, but
1: um, yeah, so soft. All kidding aside, I want to get serious for a second because we are in the midst of a pandemic, and there's a lot of things you can do. Social distancing is good. Washing your hands is good. But preventative things are good as well. So I want to tell you about our sponsor, which is Wild Foods, wildfoods.co. They have so many products like Cocotropic Superfood Cocoa Drink Mix, like, uh, like mushrooms, which are good for, I think, vitamin D, right, that boosts your immunity, turmeric, all that good stuff that is going to boost your immunity in a time, well, not just during a coronavirus thing, but all the time. So you always want to take care of your health. So if you go to wildfoods.co, you can do that, and you can take care of your financial health by getting 12 percent off by using the promo code. What is it? Happy hour. What is One, it? two. Happy hour 12. The digit's what? one, two.
2: I love it. That's
1: so what is it? What is that again?: Yeah, 12 <laughs> percent off when you check out.): hmm.
2: Oh, beautiful.
1: It, it's the amateur hour, right? Folks?.: Oh Come that's that great. Yes. <clears throat> yes. And,
0: um, I do have an announcement i like to make. Um, so if you, this is your first time listening to the heritage of our podcast, I want to say welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a hot, hotline that does set us apart from other podcasts and, uh, the number, let me give it to you. It's two, four, zero, three, four, three, seven, three, seven, nine. We love to get, uh, comments, texts, you know, we just love to get a lot of love on the hotline. So we actually, I do believe we have a voicemail. Can we cue that up? <phone rings>
3: Hey party people this is Rob I'm uh, at wandering Christian with that uh, Christian with a Kai uh,
1: on Twitter and
3: listening to your podcasts about kind of doubt and deconstruction of the Bible it's really incredible and we'd love to share it out on Twitter and help uh, promote you guys in the Twitter sphere but I don't know if you have a Twitter do you are you existential in the Twitter sphere if so we want to know
2: mm-hmm.
1: do we that's have a, a great Twitter- question do we have a
2: Sure. Mm-hmm. you know i think i think one was created but i don't think we ever actually do anything with it. well fuck but uh Sorry. but but look wait 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 but you can go to if you go to podbean and you go to our hair to cap feed on podbean you can sh- you can share it on twitter because i've done that I've, i have been sharing um like the new episodes when they come out i'll share them on facebook and on twitter so it's not like you can't share our stuff on Twitter, but I, I just don't think we have um we we got a hotline guys and because we have a hotline we put all of our resources towards the hotline rather than hiring a team of people to run our Twitter. Uh
1: I'll tell you I'll tell you what Keith. You know, I'm going to do I'm going to do you well here. I'm going to I'm going to take I, I'm going to take over the Twitter account. I'll tell you right now if people reach out to us on our Heresy After Hours group or our Heretic Happy Hour podcast group and you tell us you want tw- us to do a Twitter, I will go on there and do a Twitter for Matt, us. thank
2: you. But do we have an Instagram? Do we have an Instagram?
1: Yeah, I'll do that too. Okay. I, got, I, got no- I got nothing to do around this time, uh, time, <laughs> time of pandemic. I will take care of that for the listeners if you want it, but you got to let me know you want it. I- Matt, please do that.
2: I think one guy just did. One guy just told us he wanted. One
1: to. guy just said, okay, just for that listener, i tell you what, I'll, we'll get we'll get more involved on so Twitter. So this listener, on Twitter. Well, first of
0: all, th- the, to the listener, thank you for wanting to share the podcast. That's fantastic. And you can, so <clears throat> when this, uh, the Heretic uh Twitter account gets active and the Instagram and all of that, you can just share it um, for this listener and any other listeners. You guys are also free to share. Uh, the podcast on your social media accounts. That would be really, really fantastic.
1: Yeah. Do it. Do it.
0: Awesome. Okay. Also, we, got,
1: we got something else for us. Jamal? Yes,
0: we have, uh, we actually had two texts come into the, uh, to the hotline. Can we uh, queue that up? Okay. Here, here's the uh, first text quote. I deleted my fart book account and threw away my Bibles religion and politics both suck ass, unquote.
2: Mm. Hmm. Yeah.
1: I take offense to that. I don't, wh- I don't know what's wrong with sucking ass. What, what's the problem there?
2: Well, I also don't understand how, I mean, I get how Bibles correlates to, poli- uh, to religion, but I don't understand how fart book correlates to politics.
1: What is fart book?
2: Not, I don't have, look, I, I deleted my fart book account a long time ago.
0: <laughs> well, this listener uh, decided to share that with the world. Here thank,
2: so much. Here. thank
0: you, thank you so much. And we, you know what's worse is we decided to read <laughs> it. Wait, who screens these? Who screens I, don't I don't know.
1: Fire that! Fire that asshole!
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we don't have a name for this listener, so it's anonymous. Um, okay,
1: yeah.
0: the other uh, the other text that came in is quote: Guys, thank you so much for doing your podcast. I absolutely love. It. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm just laughing about this last text. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, that's
0: all. Okay, let, let me start over. <laughs>
2: okay,
0: take a deep breath. Here we go. Right. Take two. All right, let me start over. Um, quote, guys. Thank you so much for doing your podcast. I absolutely love Heretic Happy Hour. I, be-
1: <laughs> I knew you were gonna lose it. I knew somebody it. else.
0: Somebody else, please.
1: Guys, thank you so much for doing your podcast. I absolutely love Jamal and the Heretic Happy Hour. I began my deconstruction super recently, and I cannot say how free I feel. I am still deconstructing a lot of things and wrestling with the religion that I have been indoctrinated with, but I'm thankful that God is in me and I have a relationship with him. One thing I'm questioning right now is this, who is quote the Satan unquote, is he even real? And could he be another one of man's inventions inserted into the Bible by the same kind of people who inserted ideas such as hell and eternity Thanks for your help, Kellen Perez, end quote. That's really good. Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. And it's a timely question, don't you guys think? Because in this episode, we are going to talk about that. And so for our Heretic of the Week, before we get into the episode, we have a perfect Heretic of the Week for that who is going to help set us up to answer that question so let's get into that bit
3: it's the heretic of the week i'm richard murray and i'm the heretic of this week
2: hi, hi, richard.
3: Richard. <laughs> hi fellas <laughs> hey, richard.
0: hello richard richard it's really good to have you on the podcast thanks for Thank uh, you. thanks for being here yeah we uh we love to just jump right into our our um our conversation by asking this question, which is why would some people consider you to be a heretic?
3: Well, um, w- when I came um, to the Lord and received the Lord in my life, I, it was back in the late eighties. I, I, and that started in a Baptist church. I didn't last long in a Baptist church. Uh, and I moved on to a charismatic uh, church and went to a charismatic seminary. In the wake of that, um, I basically, was out in a wilderness for an extended period of time where the, you know, the Lord basically showed me things about his nature, just me personally. Uh, I mean, nothing, you know, lightning from the heaven or anything, but just sort of a growing, uh, appreciation and, 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 understanding. Then in the wake of that, um, I had an experience at the Toronto revival in the early nineties that really the, the Lord touched me during that revival, my heart in a, in my own emotional language. And it was from that touch that, um, I realized that I couldn't believe about 50% of what I'd been taught about his nature. It just wasn't incompatible with it. And it was that experiential goodness uh, that that, I, that, uh, that changed my life in, in a huge way. And I started working uh, to understand where these other things came from. And obviously, one of the giants we all have to walk through and pass is the giant of, of, uh, of hell. And uh, so I did a, quite a bit of research on what the early church fathers uh, wrote about hell and how it had progressed over the ages. And I was asked to share that in a sort of a citywide forum about 12 to 13 years ago. And uh, the, people had suspected me of being a heretic already, strongly suspected me, but that that, that did away with it. And obviously, it caused a big conflagration in the na- you know in, in the in this community. Uh, but, um, Hey, we worked past it. A lot of people came out and apologized. There was a lot of negativity that stemmed f- from it, but, um, also a lot of positivity. So, but that probably 12 or 13 years ago is when I would have been labeled at least around here, uh, as a heretic. And I've, I've, I've only been, uh, more labeled since then. <laughs> so that's, but that's where it began. Wow.
1: Do you, um, with regards to hell, uh, do you find that, things are changing a little bit. Um, I mean, you could point to love Wins, Rob Bell's book. You can point to, uh, even Edward fudge's book back in, I think the eighties, right. Where, um, he was more in the annihilationist camp. Do you, do you see things are getting more tolerance or kind of staying, uh, the same, or does that depend on the region you're in?
3: Well, I, I think a rising tide lifts all the boats. And I think that's what's been happening. There is momentum on this. When I first started on the internet, whenever, um, you know, 15 years ago, whenever there started being, you know, uh, a lot of websites. And at at that day, the tent maker was the only website. And thankfully, I got to know Gary Amaral uh, very well. We had several, uh, several contacts and phone conversations. Uh, But uh, other than his website, you couldn't find it anywhere. And so I, I would say, but now you can find it everywhere. So I would mm-hmm. have to say, yes, there has been uh, a momentum. Now there's a lot of variances, a lot of flavors, a different, a lot of different accent marks over different parts of it. But I think it is it's coming forth in the in our uh, corporate consciousness uh, and the incompeti- incompatibility of it uh, mm-hmm. with with uh, with the teachings of Jesus and with the nature of Jesus. It's been a, it's been a warfare, you know, over the last. I mean, it's clashing and uh, i think we're doing pretty well all things considered um mm-hmm. not that there's not a lot of you know there, there's a stubborn remnant on both sides that won't even consider anything new um and you know that th- that's going to remain but uh, but i yeah i think the momentum is is strongly in our favor and people who wouldn't even give it a second thought even even they're giving it second thoughts so uh, i i think it's a good it's a good uh trend
2: mm-hmm. yeah i would agree i think people you know um People like Robin Perry, uh, even Brad Jerzak's book, you know, her gates will not be shut, um, have really, and you, I mean, gosh, Richard, I mean, you are one of the probably one of the first people on Facebook that I saw doing a an amazing job of really, you know, giving um, really strong arguments, really just quoting early church fathers. Uh, you know, your 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 research in that area and your your command of that. Uh, your expertise in that area is, I, I think, uh, very impressive, and it, it really helped me uh, and encouraged me to actually study myself a lot more. Like, wow, there's, there's a lot here to look at the patristic universalist view that Christians had for hundreds of years that most Christians, you know, like Southern Baptists, like me, never even, I mean, you would, you were never told that. You had no clue this even was out there.
3: Right. And uh, they, they have been an oasis for me, the, the fathers and mothers uh, of the early church, just because I, I, I was looking for them, but didn't know I was looking for them. <laughs> and then when I started reading them and, you know, these guys are not primitive idiots. No. Uh, yeah, they're very nuanced in their thinking. And the more that I study them, the more that I see that we encounter the same issues today that they encountered. Um, it's just maybe phrased in some different uh, ideas and some different expressions. But really, if you take some time and meditate through these things, they were dudes just like us (laughs) and their relationship to God was, was just like our relationship to God. The one advantage that I think I do give them and I respect them for is that they're the ones who preserve the scriptures for us and, and um and and uh were the first ones to you know to meditate on them and try to understand them and present them in a way that was coherent with god's goodness and i think that that's why uh, i give them a lot of and and they they obviously had a greater uh command of the you know the at least the greek um than uh than do we and i i think that so their opinions to me how they took it r- really matters and i think that it doesn't mean that we can't disagree with them but i do think that we need to acknowledge and respect their generation that they were the ones that that committed this to us and we at least need to start from where they're at with it and then i always use this in a a metaphor but i think it's a good one you know we're called to stand on their shoulders so that we can see farther and 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 than than they can all right sure. uh, so we're called to see new things and to evolve things but we do need to acknowledge that our place really should be on their shoulders. They're a big part of this, and we're all one in Christ, obviously. But um, they're sturdy, strong shoulders to to stand on. Yeah. So um, that you know, it's been a blessing.
2: Yeah, and the thing I is, think people. It, it,
1: no, go ahead. Well, I was, I just. I think it's always important to remember that that's what we do. We do that in science. Um, we do that in any discipline. Um, it's not that we're better than people that come before us. It's that they allow us to, like you just said, see past where they are able to see in certain regards Sure. and without, without their expertise, without their knowledge, without their experiences, we wouldn't be able to articulate or formulate thoughts that we would, that we are able to now, but, but it's because of folks like that.
3: Well, you know, you know, the other thing that amazes me about them is, We have to strive to get to a point to say that this passage or that passage can't be literally true. It can't be a literal expression. It has to be some sort of figurative expression. But they really got, you know, the ancient reading style was so different than our modern reading style. And they they, they read scripture like we watch movies. You know, Mm -hmm. we watch movies looking for an allegory, looking for something to apply to our lives. And that's the way they read scriptures. And that's the way they read the Iliad and the Odyssey and other ancient documents. They they were automatically looking not not for a linear exposition of what was being said, but they were looking for something that they could apply to their lives using Christ as the template. Um, and then and then you know and then they went from there. So they had a very fluid. Uh, reading style and it was obvious to them that these things that say horrible things that appear to say horrible things are on their service about God it was clear to them that that wasn't true they didn't even consider it you know words right. said well that's really blasphemy if you're going to read that literally that's that's akin to blasphemy right you know but but it took it took us how many decades keith I mean did get <laughs> yeah. us to get us to that point but it's like they intuitively knew it
2: right because but but see there we're we have been indoctrinated like I was, since I was a kid I was told over and over by people in authority over me pastors and parents and Sunday school teachers people I thought knew better than me that this was literal like this was a documentary right and um so it's like reading lord of the rings and then trying to argue that aragorn was a real guy and you know frodo lived in the shire and well let's find the shire oh it's over here like no yeah. like yeah. don't don't do that like that's not and i love what like you said how um the early church fathers didn't have that hang up. In fact, isn't it origin that says that that was Martian's heresy that Martian read it literally and that's why he got confused.
3: Well, and understandably that's why he was he wanted it excised. He would only read it literally. He had no he was totally opposed to allegory, and when I say yeah. allegory, y'all know I mean Christological allegory. Right. You know that basically sees everything in the Old Testament as some sort of type, shadow or prefigurement of Christ, like he said on the road to Emmaus that it all speaks of him. In, right. some non, in some not in some non obvious way, um, and so so uh, yeah, um, and and that's why Martianism is is I mean I get accused of that all the time when I couldn't be any further from the guy,
2: right <laughs> <You know>? exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I exactly. guess if
3: you're going to be a literalist, if you're going to be a literalist and then your conscience can't let you accept the literal truth, then you might as well do away with it. I guess that would be the second, <laughs> the second best, you know, it's not the best, but it's the second best solution.
2: Right. You're better off getting rid of it if you can't read it uh, any other way. But literally, yeah. Yeah, very true.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, Richard, I had a question for you a little bit different, uh, maybe just moving, moving on a little bit from this topic. But um, speaking of the Bible and uh, there's a lot of things in the Bible that talk about the the serpent of old, the devil, um, Satan. What is your, what are some of your views on that, that, that topic?
3: Okay. Um, well, I, I would, I'd like to, you know, start off with a couple of cautions in the thing. And the, the, the first caution would be that Satan is a metaphysical issue. Okay. This is a metaphysical issue. And if, you know, met- metaphysics basically speaks to the causes behind the cause. You know, there, there are earthly causes in science. We can, we can learn what the earthly causes are right, of, of, of different things. But metaphysics is the field that believes there are causes behind the causes. You know, we can find, you know, for any wonderful thing that happens, we can find a scientific explanation. But there's a part of us that believes, you know, that the providential care of God is working behind the scene to bring it as the cause behind the cause. So we're never going to find empirical proof of metaphysical realities. So which, um, and not to get too heady about it, but uh, I really like um, Henry uh, Barrickson's view of of knowledge. He said there were two types of knowledge. There's the knowledge of uh, a human knowledge that's always evolving and always changing uh, and subject to change. And then there's eternal knowledge. And eternal knowledge are those things that we get in certain moments of apprehension that we just grasp an eternal truth. And it's it's set in us like stone. Uh, and those those truths don't change. And so I, I think the um, if we're going to bring, you know, to have a, a healthy respect on this topic, then I think we need to just remember that it's metaphysical. And uh, if you're looking, if you're looking for me to present some, some proof, um, you know, out of nature, that's not going to work with the Holy Spirit. It's not going to work with, with, with whatever the devil is on the other side. So, and and here's the other point. When we're talking about metaphysical truths, I think we can only know things roughly. You know, we can only know things in a general sense. I think where people mess up with the devil <laughs> one way is that they try to put all these hierarchies in and then try to explain what they do. And the the tighter they grab onto it, the more they start to lose it. And the Mm. more ridiculous sounding it becomes and the more speculative it (laughs) comes. So, so what, 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 what I believe we need to do is handle it with a loose grip, have a, you know, what Jesus was describing the kingdom of God, that's a metaphysical truth, but he said, I can't really tell you what it is. I can only tell you what it's like, you know? So, so what, when, when what's unique about Satan, I think is that if we say he's a metaphor, he is a metaphor, but, That doesn't mean that a metaphor doesn't also have ultimately have some sort of ontology. If you don't mind me sharing just a couple of things, and this is kind of a funny thing, but I I I was watching uh, the boys and I used to always watch uh, the three amigos. And, um, you know, if you remember Steve, Steve Martin's character in that movie was called Lucky Day. And so he's a, he's given this inspirational speech to this small village because there are army of bandits furiously charging toward them. You know, El Guapo was the name. Uh, He was hilarious too, but they're all armed to the teeth. And then one of the, uh, the village girls speaks up to the, to, to everyone who's scared and says, someday the people of this village will have to face El Guapo. We might as well do it now. And then Steve Martin, he steps up his lucky day and he, this is his speech. In a way, all of us have an El Guapo to face someday. For some, shyness might be their El Guapo. For others, a lack of education might be their El Guapo. For us, El Guapo is a big, dangerous guy who wants to kill us. But as sure as my name is lucky day, the people of Santo Poco can conquer their own personal El Guapo, who also happens to be the actual El Guapo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, so, so all that by way of saying that, you know, try to keep some some humor about this, that there are, um, you know, that anything I say, anything I would compare Satan to would be a metaphor, uh, would, would be some aspect of it. But what he really is, he's, you know, if he does, it's a metaphysical truth. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we can discuss kind of what things he might be like. But I'm starting to learn to not try to in the metaphysical realm to try to offer anyone a precise answer on everything so if if y'all will give me a little bit of <laughs> that's kind of where I'm coming from this on is just to keep it you know to give you a, a general idea of what I think and what I think to the scriptures and 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 the church fathers and and um you know what what they thought about it um yeah. and i and I've got a metaphor too but I mean is do y'all want me to go on or do you want to ask me something else or
2: well, yeah, I'd like well, to
1: hear. I th- yeah, I, 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 well, I just real quick, Keith. Um, no, I just think I think your answer kind of falls in line with the spirit of the show. Like, we're not here to, we're not here to say what the answer is. We're here to say what we think, and let's have a discussion about it and use analogies and and hold things loosely. So, I I think that's great. So, you know, I I, I like that answer, and yeah, let's let's keep going, Keith. You got something?
2: No, I was just going to say, Richard, I I'm. I'm curious to hear if you have got some metaphors that you think help a little bit to to get closer to uh some information or you know your 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 view on it i mean i think you know um yeah i mean i want i do want to hear what you got to say but i got, to, i mean i agree with you in the in sen- in some senses right like um the idea of satan uh or the devil uh it's a progressive thing throughout scripture right so it's it's not all It doesn't all come fully formed um, at the very beginning. The first time we we are referenced, you know, anyone like the devil, Um, and and it changes. It seems anyway, the the description of Satan or the purpose or the role of of the devil or Satan uh, shifts. Right, so in the Old Testament, you have more of ideas of he's a tester. He kind of he's one of the council of the gods. He. Uh, you know, he's traveling the earth and he's testing people and their faith and he's reporting in and God's like, Hey, how's it going? And what'd you find? And okay. It's, it's almost like they're coworkers. Um, and then later on, you know, in, in the gospels, you know, he's, he's testing Jesus and tempting him. And he seems to be an antagonist to Jesus. Um, right? And Jesus talks about him being, you know, he came to steal, kill and destroy and all of that. So uh, again, whether that's a personification of evil within mankind, that, that we turn around and we personify it as, Oh, it's not me. It's this other thing that exists outside of me. Um, or if it is an f- actual spiritual force, um, it's just hard to wrap our hands. I, I mean, I agree with you, Richard. It's hard to wrap our hands or our arms around it. Um, to say it's this one particular thing when it seems to kind of change depending on who's telling the story.
3: Yeah. And, and I think my, my number one question when I'm evolving, uh, when I'm considering uh, a concept, is I ask myself maybe two or three questions. One is, does this help? Does this concept contribute to me loving God more or my neighbor more? The great commandment. And if it's yes, then, then, then I explore it. Does it help us know God's voice better or recognize God's inner voice better? Uh, then I ask, uh, did the new Testament writers and the church fathers take the matter seriously? Did Jesus take it seriously? Hmm. So, uh, you know if i if i answer ask these questions on regarding satan i would have to say yeah the church fathers took it seriously jesus took uh talked about it uh took it very seriously um i've been through a stage in my life keith i don't know that i've even told you this where where i probably for two or three periods uh years stopped um believing in in the in the ontology of satan i just identified the satan with my carnal mind um, and that ended up being the biggest mistake of my life. Now I'm not putting this on anyone else. I'm just sharing it with you. This is my experience, which ultimately is what each of us has to go by. But, um, you know, before this period, I was very vigilant, uh, you know, with my prayer life and, and with my focus I had, uh, I developed what I thought was a pretty good spiritual focus on the Lord. He was the pleasure of, of, of my every day. I mean, I prayed in the courtroom. I could feel his promptings in the courtroom. Um. And, you know, I was in a good place with the Lord for, you know, 20, 25 years. And um, I got hooked onto some readings that, um, you know, I guess they would be called New Ages. And yeah, it got me, it got me, um, it got me doubting uh, that there was any such thing as Satan. And uh, I just started thinking, it's just my, you know, thoughts. All I can tell you is, is it ushered a bad period in my life to when, my guard went down. Uh, things got in. I stopped differentiating. And let me, let, me, let me step back and say this about it. I, I think, the, the it, Keith, when you were talking about the Old Testament, had a different view of Satan than the New Testament. That is demonstrably true. I mean, the Jewish scholars to this day see Satan as a uh, servant, as an obedient servant who just enforces God's judgments enforce, and tests us with temptations. They see it that way to this day, Mm
2: -hmm. and they
3: um, and that. But see, the New Testament comes and gives us a differentiated view of God, and that's what I try to and why I think this belief. It's important to at least recognize that this is a significant thing to be aware of and a significant thing to um, um, to 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 hear about to be on guard against. Uh, because the New Testament repeatedly tells us to be on guard against it. But he, here's, here's why it matters. In the Old Testament, they, it, Old Testament uh, and Jewish theology today believes that God is both the author of good and evil, both the author of love and hate, both the cause, the direct co- and the sole cause of blessing and cursing, and that mm-hmm. he is both the uh, an afflictor and healer. So they have a dual, an inner dualistic view of God. Which right. sees God as both those things as parts of His nature, but with the New Testament, did, even if you don't believe Satan is an ontological, this this needs to be seen that Jesus comes in the New Testament and calls away the duality out of the yeah. Father's nature. He calls away the darkness, so that whereas Amos says in the Old Testament, you know, shall there be evil in a city, and then and you know, and the Lord has not done it, and I, you know. I, the Lord, create dark, uh, good and evil, and darkness, and all that. There's a ton of verses that say that.
2: Yeah, yeah, but right.
3: but Jesus comes in the new, and whatever the devil is, He removes it from the heavenly image, and which which is what I like to say with when Jesus saw Satan falling from heaven, what He saw was that the attributes of Satan that people were attributing to God have been have dropped from heaven, and when we oh. were free to see Abba as He really is, and oh, Jesus, great. yeah, Jesus is the revelation of that Abba. So whatever. Uh, now, now, now. Whether now, whether whatever gets culled out of the divine nature of Satan, whether that's an angelic uh, power, whether that's a, a, a dark spirit, whether that's um, you know, uh, some people think it's a sort of a um, a corporate internet of uh, of the human shadow uh, that that's out there doing damage. I don't know if y'all ever saw the movie The Forbidden Planet. But in that movie, uh, the the scientist in the thing falls asleep at night. And because of the alien technology that's there, his id uh, forms into some sort of a monster that starts doing damage and killing. His id separates from his, it uncouples from his uh, control and goes Mm -hmm. out and does damage. And um, I know Brad Jerzak and I have talked about that some. And and, um, I think Brad, you know, with my uh, conversations with Brad, he he um he he sees it as an energy source that's working negative out there um, right. on the ontology thing. He's open to that. I think he's, he leans against it being a being an angel um, or, or having an ontological reality. But he does see it is real and it's it's it does the same things that an ontological Satan would do. So I think that's probably where where our common ground could be on that.
2: Right. Right.
3: You know, there, there's a there's a great metaphor, too, from Doctor Who. The, the TV show, uh, where Satan appears in his show, I mean, um, as a character in one of, the, one of the shows where he is chained on an alien planet, and uh, he's chained the entire episode, but it, the closer you get to him, the greater his influence is uh, to lure the minds uh, into fear. And the closer the person gets to that Satan, the greater the gravitational influence and the, and the sl- chains start to slack. He's still chained, but the chains start to slack. So he starts moving away from the wall. So the doctor is interviewing him and he starts telling Satan all the logical and scientific reasons why he couldn't possibly exist except as a superstitious idea. But then Satan then looks at him and s- speaks back to him, you know, in an, in an amused tone. Is that your religion? And mm-hmm. so he then goes on he goes on to assert how each standing there before him will die. And there's this whole thing. But actually the way that people broke free of him was to realize what they loved more. You know, he would he oh. like these pe he he filled the people in that episode one person with so much fear they just died on the spot. But uh the way they were able to break his influence was with love, which we need to remember with this. You know, yes. we you know, the reason that we we kind of repel away from some of the Satan teaching, I think, is because of the church lady mentality where it's been caricatured, mm-hmm. and it looks stupid. But you know what? Here, here, the, 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 the first quality that's mentioned about Satan in the, in the Bible is the last quality we often think of, and that's that he's the most subtle of creatures.
1: Mm-hmm. So
3: if you want to call it a dynamic rather than a creature, that's fine. But, I mean, there's a subtlety here. And, you know, Paul tells us he, he masquerades as an angel of light. You know, and of course Jesus said, "If a light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness?" So all that by way of saying that uh, there are things here to be on caution about, you know the whole thing is about keeping our thought life pure, of taking thoughts that are opposed to knowing Christ captive, as Paul said. Um, and obviously, you, you know Paul's great passage is the uh, Ephesians 6 passage where he talks about the the forces of wickedness and spiritual wickedness in high places and putting on the armor of God. but here's the thing, the armor of God is Jesus. The armor of God are the virtues of Jesus. Yeah. This isn't armor the hurt. you know, it's, it's, it's virtuous armor.
0: Yeah. I want to jump in with this point, which I think is interesting because a lot of those passages you cited are often used to cause people to be afraid of deception from outside of themselves. And that's where I think from something out there that will deceive them, which, call, which actually in my experience, and I know for a lot of folks listening to this, that very teaching is the problem because, and we had a guest on this show earlier that said it was the constant fear of deception that kept her away from the truth. And so like one of the things I appreciate about what so many folks consider new age teaching that label. I mean, I love the label new age because to me, that's exactly what we want is a new age. But when it comes to what's commonly classified under that heading new age, what I appreciate about so much of that teaching is it—it te- it really helps you to understand that the very thing that we're afraid of, that we're looking for out there that could harm us or hurt us, is actually part of the problem. And that's something I see Jesus really speaking to by saying, "Hey, you know, the thing that corrupts you does not come from the outside; it's actually from within you. It's this—it's the this sense and that's where I feel like whether we debate Satan as an ontological being itself or whether we consider Satan to be, you know, a force and energy, kind of like what you were saying that Brad Jerzak talks about. It's, it's not this external figure that we have to be on guard for. And that's actually part of the problem that keeps us away from enlightenment or awakening is being on guard for that energy outside of us. And I think that's, that's just a point I wanted to make here.
3: Well, I, I think that, um uh, there's a lot of truth to that. And, and, you know, I tell people, um, that you know, in terms of defining what Satan is, does he work largely within the human mind? Yes, I would say that is his favorite weapon. Somebody famous said that, but for the life of me, I can't find the quote. <laughs> but the human nature is his favorite weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I think that and the misuse of it, and that he warps, he warps, he deceives. Whatever it is, it warps, it deceives, it malforms. It, um, and that is largely for us an internal battle. I think where people might say you know and this would be a topic for another day but uh would be you know the in the presence of natural evil what is behind that why why is this uh nature out here you know darwin became an atheist because of the cruelties of nature he couldn't believe that a, that a god could create nature this way and this it, so a lot of you know there's a lot of thought out there that when we're speaking about disasters and plagues and and destroying things like that that these aren't, uh, that the, this wasn't the way that God originally created the earth. We can still see his residual fingerprints of beauty on a large part of it. But in terms of the cruelties of nature and the self sabotaging uh, and self cannibalizing aspects of it, uh, you know, that that might be something to, in other words, and, and I even think Brad would probably say that what, um, you know, uh, I, I was reading the passage a couple of weeks ago where, you know, Jesus casts the demons into the pigs. And the demons ask him, can you send us into the pigs? And he did. He sent him into the pigs. And then the pigs all jumped off the cliff. And I I was praying. And listen, I'm not asking anyone else to believe this. I'm just saying this is what what I found. The dialogue I was having on on my inside was, Lord, why did you put that bizarre? (laughs) Why did you put that bizarre story? Why did you want us to have that? And I really believe that the only the only thing I could see, the only the only truth that inkled into my consciousness was that he wanted us 2000 years later to know that these things aren't just figments of the imagination and aren't just internal. Now, Hmm. I I grant you some people see that differently. My good friend, Michael Harden, you know, he just doesn't believe it was historical. And but you know what I give I give credit to Michael. At least he doesn't go back and retcon. Um, what what the what the what the fathers believed and what the people of the day believed. He just says, I just don't believe it's it's uh uh you know I don't believe it's you know it was a historical event, which right. is fine. But I think that's intellectually honest about it because you could you you could take that view that this is all uh primitive you know the primitive superstitions from a pre critical age, or you could say these people uh, were closer to the time of Jesus. That Jesus, what Jesus taught us about these things was a was an evolution and an improvement over old Testament, uh, thinking on it and, and not yeah. a, you know, not a result of a superstition, but I'm, I'm probably talking too much, but <laughs> anyway, no, just no. one thing leads to another. Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I, dude, awesome, awesome stuff, Richard. Um, and, and I just love that. I love, I love your, your posture that whether we agree exactly or not, like the point is love and the point is to, is to, to be more like Christ. So I, I know that's going to resonate um, with our listeners. And I know you've given us and our listeners a lot to think about. So tell us, um, where can people get a hold of you? And are you working on anything that you're excited about that you want people to check out before we wrap up this conversation?
3: No, well, I, I'm always, um, I'm always on Facebook. That's where I've kind of fallen and chosen to, uh, to just disperse stuff that i that I need to express. Um, I'm just, wor- I, I try to do each post like it's my last <laughs> on earth. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that keeps, that's a way for me to keep, you know, devotional, you know, uh, on the edge of my seat, which is where I have to live. If I get off the edge of my seat, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm on Facebook, uh, Richard Murray. Uh, and then um, I do, uh, I have a blog, uh, which I have temporarily uh, not done anything on in a while. But uh, we do have a website as part of that blog called thegoodnessofgod.com. And that's also a separate site, but you can get there from the blog. Um, but uh, com has a 20 hours of audio teaching, which answer the tough questions about uh, the Old Testament verses and different aspects of God uh, that uh, I think it, a lot of people have listened to over the last 10 to 15 years and have gotten blessed by. I've got some books on there, free PDFs. Uh, on there available to anyone who wants to read them. I've got, uh, and actually the goodness of God.com is probably the best place to go because it also has, I had a good friend really sp- uh, spiff it up and you can get my last Facebook post on that as well. Um, so uh, nice. th- that's worth exploring, but the goodness of com. Yeah. Awesome. Well, check it out folks.
1: Yes. Thank yeah. you, Richard for coming on. My Thanks, honor. Love you, I love yeah, you guys. Love you, love you all, too, right. all right. All right. Peace and love. Homie.
2: Well, <clears throat> well, thank you, Richard Murray. Um, Richard, I love you. I thank you. Even though we disagree on a lot of things, I just love how gracious you are in it and how really, um, I think how uh, you definitely studied this topic from both sides. Uh, And I know that was a really great conversation, but there was still so much we didn't get to. And of course, we have a topic that's going to uh, give us an opportunity now to dig a lot deeper into the specifics of angels, demons, and the Satan. And, um, so I know you guys want to jump into that. I know both of you were like, oh, there's so many other things I wanted to say, um, with Richard. So now this is our chance. Um, where, where do we start? Do we start with the Satan? Do we want to jump into angels and demons and then go to the Satan? Or what do you guys think?
1: Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to, to figure out where to start because I think that all three are related, but all three could be different and different people can believe different things and agree on one aspect and not agree on other aspects. You're right, Keith. We 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 talked to Richard for like over forty minutes, and I know Jamal and I especially were chomping at the bit to to say some things. But there was I had so much on my mind as he was talking. So shout out to Richard for bringing up all these ideas because it it, it kicked off so many ideas in my head that I'm glad we get to talk about now. Um, we we specifically focused on on Satan right in in our talk with him, but angels, demons. It's it's a uh, it's a fascinating topic. I liked what he was saying to some degree, because he was so articulate and so obviously well read. Even though I found myself disagreeing a lot, because one thing one thing especially was he was talking about how his experience of not believing in Satan actually caused some sort of like trauma or um, some sort of negative thing. Where I've had like exactly the opposite. Like the minute I stopped believing in Satan or even demons as like ontological beings, like I have felt so much better. Oh, it's, it's such a a relief. Oh, stop it. It's such a relief for me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, we've had a lot of guests on our show and um, I appreciate all of them. Uh, Richard's definitely articulate. And, um, you know, I, I appreciated that he did know both sides of the, I, I wouldn't say no. <clears throat> I would say he, he's familiar with both sides of the argument and, and, you know, was generous or gen, gen was, was generous with the other side, but yeah, I probably haven't disagreed more with a guest that I can remember. I mean, maybe one or two, but this, um, this, our current guest. you know, all due respect, I totally disagree with this entire premise of where he was coming from. Um, even though he made, he brought up a lot of great points. Um, but the premise, I believe, is really faulty, and there's, there's like several things <clears throat> I could say about that, which I'm sure we'll get into in our conversation. But um, I think Satan, just clear, uh, real quick off the cuff, um, I think the, the conversation around Satan, what is Satan, what is the Satan, and a- the existence of angel, angels and demons are related, but they're, they're a bit different um, because I don't think one necess- necessitates the belief in another,
1: so to speak. Yeah, I don't, I don't think logically no but no, but, typ- no. but typically if you're going to believe in an ontological demon you're going to kind of have that belief in satan and angels as well so maybe totally. maybe there's like a correlation but not a causation
0: right because I think I think you can have an understanding that beings exist other spiritual beings some of them may be dark some of them may be light I don't think that necess- necessitates a belief in the ontological being of satan right yeah. Because it's a bit different. Yeah. In my understanding.
2: Yeah. Well, I um I am very excited. I mean, I, I definitely want to hear what you guys have to say and I, obviously you disagree much more strongly than I did. I because I mean, I I would agree with you guys more so than with Richard that like I don't think Satan is a like I couldn't walk up to him and talk, have a conversation. Like Satan is not a being. I do feel more that Satan is more of a personification of evil like when we recognize evil in ourselves it's it's just too easy to say oh that wasn't me that was some other evil that's outside of me that was influencing me and so that i'm going to i'm going to personify it but i'm going to say it was not me it was this other being uh that was that was having some kind of influence on my mind or whatever um but but at the same time see i thought i thought richard actually brought up some things that were interesting in the sense that um he like he for example he used he referenced the quote where paul says you know to hold every thought captive in In context of spiritual warfare but see to me when i read that now i think oh why why would i need to hold my thoughts captive in terms of spiritual warfare well it's my thoughts it's like in other words it's me it's it's the thoughts i'm having that i need to be mindful of what am i thinking not what what um evil thoughts is satan beaming into my brain from outer space or from you know orbit or something like it's not something from what's out, outside of me. It's something within me that I need to be aware of. That, In other words, it's the evil, the potential evil in myself, or the potential thoughts in myself that would tend me away from sort of a Christ-centered love uh, and an others-focused love, but to be more selfish and things like that. Like To me, that's it's a very simple way of understanding that.
1: Yeah, uh, and and there were some things for me that I thought he was teasing out that we didn't quite get to, but something that I've noticed is that and this is where maybe like I disagree with his particular take on Satan, or or even demons or angels. But I kind of like nuance things, I guess. Or maybe he would agree. I I don't know. We didn't get into it, but I I still think that even though the line of good and evil runs directly through us, I forget who said that. But Satan can be our own accusative nature. Right. I I do think that it almost takes on its own energy when mobs get together and it could be a negative mob or it can be a, a a positive thing when groups of people get together and maybe that's what demons and angels are to some degree i if you think of the book of job and take out the first two chapters where there's this satan like being walking around the the energy that the friends and then eventually the whole community has when they're accusing job like almost takes on this this thing that is like more than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. So when we get around, when we're, when we're having this accusi- accusative or murderous sort of energy, it's one thing and it's satanic. But when we get around a group or a mob of others, it's almost like m- way more than exponentially. Yeah. Yeah. And it feeds on one another.
2: And so, yeah, but see, because we experience that, like, so let's say you're in that mob and you're experiencing that energy, it would be, it would be, you would you would recognize it and say, ooh, that's some kind of external force, right? There there's some presence, some energy now that is alive, right? In other words, it feels that way. Like you might think of it and describe it that way, but that's not necessarily what it is. Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah, I yeah. I, I would I would mean that, um, sorry, Jamal, um, just real quick. Yeah, I would mean that. It takes on its own force when we get collective, but the way to stop it is each individual uh, refusing to engage in that energy. So it does start within and it and it is like exacerbated and revealed without and then takes on a, like a bigger form. Yeah.
0: You know, th- this is an interesting topic. Um, and I agree. I, I think what we're talking about is is I would put it in the terms of consciousness. So there's personal consciousness in the sense of like being aware of your your existence as a human being here in this life, that's personal consciousness, but then there's collective consciousness mm. and collective consciousness. It is the sum of the parts. It's like, okay, you know, if, if you even think about the human body, we have cells, each cell is its own entity, right? So you have an, you have an entity, but then when you put all the cells together, you have another entity, which is the body. I mean, I think the body's made up of what, 37 trillion cells or something like that. So in, in the same way, I mean, if you think about each human being as like a cell, we have our own collect or personal, Awareness and consciousness, but then consciousness doesn't just end at the personal level. There is a collective consciousness. And if you, my understanding of thoughts, you know, when Paul talks about, you know, spiritual warfare and holding your, your thoughts captive, well, all thoughts come from a, a form of consciousness somewhere. And so my understanding of consciousness, is that you could use another word for that, which would be spirit. So there's spiritual in nature, everything, every thought comes from a form of consciousness and, you know, at, at the personal level, we could have distortions in that consciousness, which is why I believe that's where dysfunction, you have negative thoughts, you have thoughts that, you know, maybe are fear-based and uh, lack-based that to me comes from distortions at the consciousness level, you know, so those in the sense that is spiritual or that is, um, there's issues there, but I have a story, a personal story. I think that illustrates this, um, So I come from a Muslim background, okay? And uh, back in the day when I was, um, you know, more in my evangelical kind of life and I kind of viewed the world through this lens of – but certain places had spiritual strongholds on them. You know, like you go to an area and that would be run by some demon. bought in A lot of that theology of, of some demon runs this area and it's, it just a spiritual demonic stronghold in an area. I really believe that. So I remember when I would travel, and I, I've done some significant traveling to like Muslim countries. What I noticed, and, he, and, and this kind of ties into the whole collective consciousness thing. I, be, you know, I would have incredible, like every time I would go to a Muslim country, specifically and I would spend time there like what I would personally have the worst nightmares I mean uh, excruciating tormenting nightmares and I'd wake up and it would affect my energy I felt heavy there was this like dark presence all over me I felt the air felt heavy and of course I routinely in those days you know would talk about yeah this is a demonic this is an area because a lot of Muslims live there it's very demonic it's controlled by this you know the spirit over that or whatever and um and then one particular day, I remember one of my, one of my trips I took, I was, um, I was, I was in this Muslim country and same thing happened, had this incredible nightmare and just, but a friend was with me, traveling with me, had actually, and I kind of told her about it and it's like, man, it's you know, it's like clockwork every time I come, I just have these nightmares you know, when I'm in this area. And I think it's, you know, I was like attributed to like this demonic force or whatever, but um, my background, you know, so I was born in you know, kind of a Muslim home context. <clears throat> and, um, there's kind of a, a, theme with that, with a lot of folks who have that background. And a lot of it has to do with, um, fatherlessness or having issues with, with, and I don't, I don't want to get it all in that, but that's kind of a common theme in that culture, so to speak. So I experienced that firsthand. And it, it, therefore, when I would go into these areas, I think it was tri- The collective consciousness of how God was viewed, um, of how people were viewed, It it triggered something in me and I would have these nightmares I attributed to demonic forces. So this friend of mine wrote me this letter, this personal letter, um, and just like spoke in the letter just just absolute beautiful things about my identity, reaffirming my identity. And it was incredible. So I actually read it before I went to bed the second night I was in this country. And it was like the state it sent me in was like this beautiful, peaceful state, reaffirming my identity, realized who I was and went to sleep. And I woke up, I had the best night of sleep probably ever had um, up until that point. It felt very deep and peaceful sleep. I woke up, and the entire atmosphere seemed different. Um, that country I was kind of looking at as being a demonic place where there was all these evil things going on, I, it, 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 the whole place looked beautiful, the people looked beautiful. I didn't matter. Like I didn't see them through this lens. It, it just, everything was light. It was incredible. And what I think happened was the collective consciousness was mirroring something about my own consciousness. Um, some doubt, beliefs, things that I, that had affected me as a kid. And as soon as I got, you know, I just literally came, like heard the truth about my identity, who I was. And it just kind of allowed that, those roots to be healed. And no longer did I view the world out there in the same way I had simply because, my consciousness up leveled in that moment. And then I was able to see that. So I was exporting, you know, outsourcing or, or uh, projecting onto the culture and the consciousness, my own, the issue coming from my own consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of spiritual, when people talk about powers and principalities, collective consciousness can, is a simple it, all it is is a it is a multiplication of personal consciousness. Mm-hmm. So there's personal consciousness, collective consciousness, and we spiritualize that in the sense of demons yeah. and that kind of thing. Right? right, but it's I agree.
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, that that makes it almost impossible for me when I'm reading the Gospels, for example. Um, and so I'm reading this is something written by somebody who lived in a, in a first century Middle Eastern Palestine that had all kinds of ideas about angels and demons and archons. Uh, David Bentley Hart talks about this a lot, about how even Paul, you know, people in that time believed that there were archons or demons that were over certain regions or cities or powers, right? They were actual demons. They had actual power. It was almost like, you know, uh, demigods, if you want to say this. Um, yeah. and, and so they believed that this was just like everyone accepted this was reality. Like, the sun rises, there's the moon and there's the trees and the rainfalls and there's flowers and there's archons and demons. It's just part of the universe. And so, and so, you know, if that's the culture you're embedded in, right, this is your lens for reality. And then you see someone with epilepsy or even you see someone with autism or you encounter someone um, who just isn't, you know, the way you would expect someone to be quote unquote normal. Well, you would attribute that to, de- to demons, right? You'd say, oh, this person's possessed by a demon uh, or, or this person's sin, that's why they have leprosy or, they, or that's why they were born blind, right? And so if that's your mindset, and if you keep that in mind, that this is how people just thought automatically. So when they see a person and they say, oh, this person's demonic, and then Jesus went and talked to them and afterwards they didn't behave that way anymore, well, what, how would you describe what you just saw happen? Oh, Jesus cast out a demon. Well, did he, or did you assume there was a demon, and then Jesus did something to to make that behavior change, or to to change something that was going on with them? Right? He made it better, and so how could you interpret what you just encounter, what you just saw, what you just witnessed? You couldn't say anything other than that Jesus cast out some demon, but that doesn't mean there was a demon, right?
1: Yeah, and 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 I don't I don't ever like um, I, I I love what you're saying. Like I wonder what they would have thought, and they would have probably thought those sort of things. And and so when people say, well, Jesus talked about this stuff, it's like, yeah, of course Jesus did. Like, I I think Jesus did believe in demons, but that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that I need to think of them in the same way. That's where I think we get we get a little. Now you cross the line? We, well, I know. Watch out now. <laughs> right. uh, but I, that's where I think we we make Jesus something other than he's meant to be. Is that like just because Jesus had a worldview doesn't mean it's necessarily? I think asking okay. if it's right or wrong is the wrong question. Jesus addressed it in the context
0: yes. that,
1: that yeah. he's in and yeah. we don't necessarily need to address it in the same context because we have an entirely different context and we should that's the way the, that's the, way the world works
0: Right. totally he's a man of he's a man of his own time yes and and, and he's I do believe that Jesus was coming from an enlightened perspective sure uh, and, and totally disarming some of those mythologies however he's got to speak in the language of his time of you know course. the idea of, of course of, of even like the pigs running off the cliff you know and casting the demon out and going to the pigs I mean that's one way to put it the other po- way to put it was like hey you're you have energy human beings have You know, here's the thing that blows people's mind. You know, we can, there's been, there's been, you know, there's a lot of science that can, we, all of us have a electromagnetic energy we give off. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, this can be tested, you know, on machines. They can test you. You can actually see it actually part of MRI, MRI technology. You can see the, it's actually using that energy to be able to see what's going on in your body. But we project energy frequency, um, from our own being and so our presence extends beyond our body this is why when somebody's really angry comes into a room you can feel it they don't have to say anything you can feel it if you're kind of attuned to that kind of energy you can feel it Um, that's why some things feel light and some things feel heavy Mm -hmm. so the idea of energy and consciousness being able to be projected beyond your body this is a known people can do this. Um, but so like if you're operating in something you can disarm people, like, um, I know people that have been to week long retreats, um, in which there are a lot of, a lot of silent retreats, a lot of meditation where they're doing a lot of meditating. I know one guy that said, you know, I did this where he was really tapping in, to states of the heart. He said, I remember after this week long retreat, I remember taking a walk and we were, it was cutting through this woods, this area where he was walking. He said, he just felt such a love for everything. Like he looked at the trees. He would look at, he just, he just felt love for everything. This tremendous love. He'd never felt for any, he saw this beautiful bird kind of just land on this tree. And, um, he just looked at it, was captivated by it, and just had this sense of overwhelming love for this bird, and the bird just comes and lands on him. Mm. Never, never happened before. But he's like, mm. he's like, yeah, that there's an energy that affects everything around you. So you know, you're not going to explain that two thousand years ago. You're not going to get into a lot of the the science behind that, or the people did not understand that. But it's, it's a real reality. But here's the problem. What I heard, I want to go back to our our. our uh, our guest, you know, that we had on the podcast, Richard, I, there is a, what I was hearing again, this is what I'm hearing, but what I heard was a lot of the same kind of mindset that folks who believe in an inerrant infallible Bible have when it comes to talking about Paul, when it comes to talking about church fathers, they kind of have this elevated idea of like, well, this, you know, we may not agree with them totally, but we stand on their shoulders. Like I don't, well, why would I stay on their shoulders above anybody else's shoulders? And who do we mean when we talk about church fathers, when we talk about, and this, I know another conversation, but when we talk about Paul, we can't elevate these guys. They These were folks writing from a primitive consciousness. I, I, not to say that they didn't get things right, that they didn't you know, have beautiful revelation, but you know, they're no, you know, we're not going to, just because they may speak of demons and angels and things like that in their context, you know, in their folklore and their, within their mythologies that they might have believed in, doesn't mean that holds more weight for us. And that's what I was hearing from him a lot of like, this is what they believe the church fathers talked about this, or this is what Paul, he referenced this and this, therefore it must be real. And like, I don't, Paul's not inerrant in any way, shape or form, right. you know.
2: Yes. <laughs> when we say real quick. Let me let me just say real quick. In in Richard's defense, because I do know Richard uh, probably better than you guys do, and Richard, if he was if he was still on the line, would say he doesn't believe in inerrancy of Scripture. And I know what you're saying, Jamal, is that he's using similar language. But I, I know that he would want he would want everyone to know that he is yeah. someone that that believes in the inerrancy and infallibility of Scripture the same way an evangelical sort of fundamentalist. Right, would. he does. But, but I hear what you're saying he, that he's using when he when he refers to church fathers or to Paul, he's he's attributing. Yeah. He's still attributing an amount of respect to them that you you wouldn't feel comfortable doing.
0: I, I would not. It's the same thing. By is when we talk about with first century church, there's it's a grid. It's a lens through which people. It's unconscious lens. People talk about the first century church as if that's the standard. That's a lens. Um, that you know that's just a belief. It's a lens, and I think it's the same. It's like we wouldn't say the first century church was inerrant, but it, it's it is projecting the same kind of idea. Like well, somehow they got it better. They knew they understood more. I wouldn't say that depends on who you talk to in the first century, which church fathers you're talking about. I think a lot of the people that are considered first century church fathers or people who shaped the, the, the church in the first century. I think if we really understood the full story, we wouldn't. And again, this is my thing. I don't think we're hearing from all of them. And there are other folks that did not get a hearing in history that would have shaped the way the movement of Jesus radically different if we were if their voices were heard which they're not. Yeah. So it's very different. Yeah.
1: No, I I like that that you said that. I mean it is when anytime we and I'm not saying Richard did this but we do this a lot we say well they or the church fathers or we say well scientists well this gets a little bit like too reductionist right as if as if they all agree as if it's one voice like it's just it's becoming like it's a little more nuanced and complicated than that. I think the point of like standing on the shoulders of others is that um, we we can learn from people who came before us, and then and then see farther and do farther, do better, do greater things, um, or come up with um more understanding in more nuanced ways. But we do that because of people that came before us, and w- w- with regards to angels or demons or Satan, um, we can say I think pretty fairly that. They had one understanding, they addressed it the best they could in their current context, and we we would address it much differently in ours. Yeah. And and I and I think we given time, like two thousand years since Jesus walked around, we should be able to have even a better or more descriptive picture of the situation.
2: Right. And I would say also, I mean, I agree with that. I, I think also I and I, I think what I'm about to say Uh, I think Richard would agree with this, Um, but maybe not to the same degree, but um, like I I also appreciate a lot of what some of the early church fathers have to say, but only on certain topics. Like, you know, like when I, when I read Tertullian, some of the things he has to say about like enemy love and nonviolence and following Christ and, you know, loving it, loving others. And I, when I read some of those early church fathers, their writings, or, or like, for example, when they talk about universalism or things like that, um, I think they're great. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, these guys are awesome. But the sad thing is if you keep reading all of their writings, you're also going to read them, say some horrifically embarrassing things about women, uh, about patriarchy. And so, no, I mean, I would never encourage anybody just swallow hook, line and sinker just because it's Tertullian or origin or whoever. I mean, we we need to treat them the same way we would treat scriptures and like, um, even read them through the lens of Christ, right? Don't, don't just full blindly accept everything that's written, whether that's the Bible or that's Tertullian or Origin, whoever. We still need to use some discernment, and again, like you're saying, Matt, use wisdom that we have now to say, well, you know, what? I know that they thought that back then, but you know what? I don't agree anymore. I don't. I don't think that is. Uh, I don't. I don't think I agree with that anymore. And we we have the ability. We should use our brains. Paul even says we have the mind of Christ. So let's leverage that. Like we we're, we're not. Uh, we shouldn't be tied to. Uh, you know, all or nothing when it comes to some of those things.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and I think I, I, this is one of those topics that where I'm at now is like, well, regardless of what this ontology is, I I believe I can be satanic. I believe I can be accusative or have the mind of a murderer or an executioner, depending on how we define Satan. So the bigger question for me is what brings me more peace and what bring, and what challenges me to be more like God or love or Christ. And that for me is like, OK, don't have this figure that I can then scapegoat and say it's just Satan and don't and, and, and but also realize that I can be that way. So how do I orient myself away from that? well i orient myself away from that by not focusing on that and richard did bring this up mike machuga brings it up in our, in one of our books and he uses the analogy if we're on the highway and we focus on all the things that we can crash into we have a better <laughs> chan- we have a better chance of crashing into it rather than focusing focusing on the open road yes. so like we focus way too much time on this ontology called satan or whatever or whatever we whatever language we want to use instead of just focusing on how do I love my neighbors? How do yeah. I treat people with respect? How do I do unto others as they would do unto me? All this kind of stuff. And so, I mean, I don't even think of Satan anymore.
3: No, part of that no, is no, part
1: no. of that because I don't expect him to come around the corner. I'd be fucking surprised. And and, and <laughs> I wouldn't really be afraid of it. I'd just be like, get the fuck out of here. Like, this is stupid.
0: You know, and one of the things that uh, our, you know Richard brought up, which I want to mention because I thought it was, I think it's noteworthy because I think he represents a good chunk of Christianity when he says this, but you know, quoting Paul, when Paul says the devil masquerades as an angel of light to deceive people, that is totally what Paul said. And there's no doubt in my mind that Paul envisioned an angel, a specific, there is, there, there's, there's reason for that. There's an angel. He, and, and it, it is to create fear. The purpose of Paul's statement in the context he's writing, uh, in the sense of, is to cause people to be afraid, of other messages, other, um, and you know whether that's right or wrong. I mean, it's and he's using his his uh, mythology that he actually believed was literal to do it. And 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 so many. and We had a guest. I've met, brought this up in the conversation, but again, I, I remember. I think it was uh, Krista Gifford who was, you know, Lucas and Krista were earlier guests on the on the podcast. And one of the things that she talked about was, you know, coming from a Christian background, she was so afraid of being deceived. Um, and it was like she had this epiphany, this revelation that it was her fear of deception that was the deception that kept her from being open to anything because she was afraid of this from the outside, from the outside. Another thing that, that, that you know, an outside Satan presupposes is an outside God. There's God and there's Satan. There's this cosmic struggle. I heard a lot of that in our guest. A lot of talking about the Lord out there, a lot about, now again, this wasn't ex- explicitly said, but a lot of Satan out there. So it's, again, we're afraid of the thing out there that may, it's not, an, even when his statement, it's not a metaphor that's breaking into your house, threatening to kill you, or you wouldn't be afraid of it. So that was his way of negating the fact that. Um, that Satan is a metaphor, so to speak, of of our own internal consciousness. Like there's actually a being out there that we should be afraid of, this angel of light. And I think what people really should understand is where did that belief come from? That's a Jewish belief, not historic Jewish belief, but it developed over time. And I don't want to get into all that.
1: Zoroastrianism, right?
0: Zoroastrianism, yeah. When Babylon, when the Jewish people were held captive in Babylon, this is where the evolution, Satan was not this... All theology evolves, all mythology evolves over time. And so this belief in a, in a being Lucifer, this, this angel that was an angel of light and then got, you know, was, had this whole issue with pride and rebelled against the most high and all this kind of thing. This is all, this comes from Zoria. Zorianastrianism, and it crept into Jewish folklore. It's it's a myth, and of course, Paul is a Jewish man. He held this belief. Folks in Jesus, they held this belief. This is mythology. So again, in any myth, I'm not saying throw it out like it has no point. You know, whether you're reading Homer or any any of the lasting mythologies, Greek mythology, even there's something you can see in it. There is it, it's personifying human consciousness in some way. So we're missing the point, if, but it, it can actually be problematic. if you. I always tell people, if you view God, the Lord, however you want to refer to God, as somebody up in heaven, that's going to be problematic for you because that's an outsourcing of your power. And I will say the same thing about Satan. If you believe Satan is just being out there in some way, shape, or form, you're free to believe that. It's not, you know, but at the same time, that's going to be problematic for you because there is going to be a sense you're going to have this little fear, creeping fear that you can't trust. You know, you you have to be on guard. You have to protect yourself from this being who could then thereby come and deceive you. And that's that's that is absolutely 100 percent false. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just um, it's going to be problematic for you. And that's one of the, the major pushbacks I wanted to bring up with, the, with our guests is to say, yeah, you know, uh, our projection of God, and our projection of Satan is simply a projection of our own consciousness. We're going to project on these beings who, who how we perceive ourselves, And that is the Satan, you know, so how you dethrone Satan, you know, is you understand what's real about your identity. You understand what's real about your perception. Darkness and void is not actually a thing. It's, it's, it's just a perception of the lack of something, but it's not actually real. I always say this, I, you know, non-existence is not a thing. It doesn't exist. That's the beautiful thing about non-existence is it's not a thing. You know, darkness is a perception, but it doesn't actually exist in, in, in that sense. It's not act, actually substantive.
1: Yeah. It's a
0: void, perception of void.
1: Yeah. yeah, but isn't the um isn't the analogy of light and dark um like dark doesn't exist you don't you don't like scare the dark away you just shine the light but sure. but on but on the other hand don't we understand the light because of some darkness as well Are we understand yeah, it in a different yeah. way.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the experience. Yeah, in our experience, yeah. it's just like you know when you experience pain, the pain of something teaches you about the converse. You know, yeah. heartbreak often teaches you about love in so many right. ways. Yeah, you, you know? don't understand um, what you've
2: got until it's gone, right? So you start appreciating things you took for granted when when you don't when you lose them or you have less of them. Uh, yeah, I mean th- that's just that's kind of part of this human experience.
0: Totally. Now here, here's another thing: the question of like, do demons exist? do angels exist? I know we could, I don't know how far you want to take this, but I, 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 you know, my understanding is everything comes from, everything is, is consciousness trying to experience itself. So that's, that's a whole, we go, you know, that's a whole other conversation, but are, there are many in, in this realm, we have the appearance of separate beings. We, you know, we're, there's, there's not only one human, but I would say ultimately there's one consciousness. We're all one at some level. Duality is, that falls apart at some level, but in this realm, we have this sense of dualism. But I, you know, just like we have other sentient beings, we have animals, we call them sentient beings, right? We, we have human beings, we call them sentient beings. I'm not against the existence of other sentient beings, be they beings that live in other planets, aliens, it's,
1: aliens. It's yes, alien.
0: aliens,
2: let's do it. Yes. But,
0: but, even, but even those beings, <clears throat> whether, whether or not, whatever we want to call them. There are sentient beings, they may live on other planets in this universe, or they may live in other dimensions. So you have interdimensional beings. A lot of what, I'm not against that. I actually think there's some evidence for the existence of other sentient beings. Of course. Um, And some of those beings are going to be, I would say, operating on a frequency that would be light, higher frequency, higher density beings, and then lower density, dark, more dark energy, dark, just like they're human beings. It's interesting to go back to you know our guest. He talked about he's in law enforcement and where he's in some form of law, he deals with criminals and he, he's convinced that there's a darkness outside. I worked in a prison and I became convinced of the opposite. I was like, no, 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 the mm-hmm. darkness. No, no, there's no, people are dealing with pain and there, so there's lower, lower density, lower frequency thought patterns and you could feel the darkness of that. But I've operated mm-hmm. in that. So like, I'm not a demon, but it's just this darker energy That comes, that's so. I think there could be beings out there. My just my understanding is that there are beings that are out there that can resonate at the frequency that you're on. So, somebody is it possible to? My personal belief is that we're guided. I do believe we have angels that guide us. Um, There are beings out there that come and assist us. Just from what I understand with NDEs, a lot of the folks have experienced these beings that there's a whole other world out there that we don't see with our. Eyes, our naked eyes, here in this realm, but they exist nonetheless, and these could be filled with beings. Some of them more malevolent, mm. more dark. Some of them more light. So you, I, I'm not
1: against that. so. You'd be you'd be more okay with ontological demons and angels than than
2: a lurking figure called a Satan. A particular a particular guy called Satan. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, just because they resonate, and plus they they resonate at the level of consciousness. Just like we have people that gravitate to us. I always say this: the people you hang out with are typically 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 going to be people who resonate at some level with your, with your line of thinking, with your frequency sure. of thought. And it's just, I think that could also go across the board with other beings of other dimensions. Huh. Like you're going to gather with folks that are going to be more like-minded in the sense of what kind of consciousness are you coming from?
1: Yeah. What about, what about you, Keith? Where are you at um, with angels and demons?
2: Well, I mean, I kind of, I'm, um, I'm on similar wavelength, I think with what, Jamal uh, Jamala saying, we've talked about this before, about quantum uh, theory and the ideas of, of uh, dimensions on top of dimensions sort of coexisting, at uh, different frequencies in different planes that we can't, sometimes we can, um, you know, uh, detect them or we're at least aware that theoretically they do exist. I, I wonder sometimes if... Um, like, for example, like stories of ghosts, for example, or those kind of things, or, or a demon or some or of an angel. It, mm. if, if, if it could be that, as Jamal is saying, what we're actually experiencing is maybe a thin place between our universe and another universe where some other being in another universe is able, we're able to see them or hear them in some way. And, and again, in our primitive way of thinking, just the way I talked about first century people with Jesus going, oh, there's demons. And so, oh, no, I just saw a demon. Um, we might go, oh, I just saw a ghost. Well, you know, it's because you don't know what else to call that. You don't have any other way of thinking of that thing you saw or that experience you had. And I think to me, this t- also then drives the whole conversation back to one of the one of the struggles that we have whenever we approach a, a topic like this, like angels and demons and Satan. So, Or, or even you know, when we talk about near-death experience. When, because a lot of what we're talking about, we're, we're relying on people's experiences, right? I know a guy that had this experience. Or I personally, I, I think I saw an angel. I think I might've experienced uh, some demonic thing. And so everyone's got a different story. Everyone has a story that, that backs up their belief about demons, angels, you know, aliens, near-death experience, whatever it happens to be. And so we're all left hearing those stories and we have to make a decision. I believe this person a hundred percent or i believe that they had an experience but maybe they didn't quite understand it like they're calling that an angel or a demon or an alien or whatever but but maybe it wasn't that maybe it was i mean for example like you know i've also had experiences where you know there's the vivid dreams where you um you wake up from a dream but your body is still paralyzed but the creative part of your brain that's dreaming is now uh, still kind of firing off with your eyes open. And I've done this. It's happened to me where I've seen and heard people in the room, in the bedroom. I, I, I could have sworn there was someone in, in the room. I mean, no doubt in my mind, this, this the experience was so totally real. There was a man in my room. He broke in. He was going through my, my change on the counter and going through my wallet. He was wearing a hoodie. I could see him. I could see the flashlight he was holding. I heard him. In the room, he walked over to my side of the bed and stood right beside the bed. And I was terrified I was going to die. And I jumped up and turned on the light. There was nobody there. All the doors are locked. All the windows are locked. There's no possible way anybody was in that room. But damn it, I saw, I was awake. I was absolutely awake. I was not dreaming. And that was a, that was a quote unquote real experience. My description of it, of what I experienced was a man in the room trying to rob me. But I can also now tell you there was no human being in that room in spite of the fact that I, my brain was telling me that I was hearing and, and experiencing and seeing that. And so because I'm aware of the fact that those kinds of events can happen, I'm skeptical, honestly, when I hear people say an alien came into my room and it was so real, or my dead father came to my room and talked to me and sat on the bed and it was so real. Like, Well, maybe it did happen. But maybe you have one of those experiences that I also had where I was dreaming and then I woke up, but I was not quite awake and my brain invented a scenario that was very, very real to me.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's just interesting that our um, experiences can all seem to be so different and lead us to different conclusions. And I've got some stories. I'll save it for our Patreon listeners. Um, so if you are listening and you like this conversation... Uh, make sure you go to patreon.com slash heretic happy hour because I've got some crazy stories. And when I had those experiences, they were real. So we can't say, are they real or not? Yeah, they were real and they were demonic. However, what, what, what I took away from it was that it was entirely based on what I already believed. So I, I, I honestly think like our beliefs can, can create a manifestation in our brain that we experience something that's real, but not at the same time. Does that make sense? Like I definitely had a real experience. Yes. But that real experience was based on what I already believed. And it brought about fear and yeah. like really scary shit that I no longer experience anymore because I don't believe it. Right. So it was the very belief that brought about this horrifically real, manifestation in a dream sort of quasi dream lucid state that I've had that I was convinced was demonic possession and it it was in one way and it was not in another way
2: yeah exactly I agree man yeah yeah yeah
1: and it's just it's- interesting that a lot of people can have that experience and some people might have opposite experience or, or like Richard <laughs> was talking about like it, it <laughs> belief in Satan has been positive for him. And I'm like, damn, I, (laughs) I I can't relate to that. Like, I just, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know. But if, if you're listening to this and whatever you resonate with, um, if you want to talk about it, we got a couple Facebook groups. We got heresy after hours, if you want to join that. And then we have one that's directly linked to the podcast, which is the heretic happy hour podcast that you got to sign up on Patreon. If you want to talk about all this stuff. Make sure you join both of those groups or one of those groups and check out our website. So you stay up to date on all of our new episodes, com.
2: Yeah. And I think we're getting ready to add some, some new merch to that website eventually. Uh, yes, I we I'm are. Hear a rumor. So, uh, but, but there's already some amazing merch on that website. T-shirts, decorative throw pillows with, Hilariously ironic scripture verses Yes,
1: those are, those are beautiful
2: <laughs> My favorite uh, We also have a Patreon page if you can't get enough of the Heretic Happy Hour And really, who can? Um, go to patreon.com slash heretic happy hour And for as little as $2 a month Or more, I mean, come on uh, yeah. More, if you want, of course you do And you get like bonus Like we, we record extra uh, You know, episode content uh, We record bonus interview content uh, Just other fun, crazy stuff We pop up there all the time And by the way, that's the only way you can get into the private Heretic Happy Hour Facebook group. So check that out too. And as uh, my good friend Jamal mentioned, we are having – Choir is having April Foolishness Month, and we have so many titles. There's no possible way for me to read all of them. But our books, um, my first three books uh, on Kindle uh, are 99 cents, uh, Matt's from the Blood of Abel, um, and um, also Heretic. Yeah, both of those. Free to Love by Jamal, uh, and um, Living for a Living, right, are available. And, um, yeah, all those. Living for a living. Brandon yep. Andrews, Carl Forehand, uh, Galen Sword, Mark Harris, uh, Meg Calvin, Matthew Corman, uh, so many awesome, amazing books. Please go check them out, 99 cents. It's awesome. Yes, and I believe we're on iTunes now. And At, so You believe you, that. I mean, but is it true? You believe it, but is it true? Well... I
0: I think the listeners will have to you will have to experience it for yourself. So go check it out, see if it's real. Um, please, if you have not uh, found you know discovered whether this is real or not, you you please do that and rate and review us. Um, and uh, five stars only and only good reviews because we we have to make up for the bad reviews
1: we've gotten. Those so. are my fault. So even, yeah, even if you listen on Podbean or Stitcher or whatever, go on iTunes, give us that rating. I'm only responsible for two one star reviews. Come on now, guys. Only
2: two. Only two. That's
1: not bad.